Welcome to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast, where we discuss all things wellness. I'm Eleni Welch, nutritionist. And I'm Kay Boyer, health enthusiast. Welcome back, Renegades. Welcome, Renegades. Welcome. We have a special guest today, Tina Thompson. Woo-hoo. And we've had her on before, and she is a genius. And she, you revolutionized, Tina, my breakfast. Um, at the time, it was intermediate intermediate fasting, right? Intermittent. An intermittent fasting that we talked about. And yeah. you you adjusted my breakfast even from that conversation. And today we're going to dive deep into the best breakfast. So I'm ready for you to ramp up my breakfast even more. Yes. Welcome back, Dina. Fun fact, Dina, you are yes. the first repeat guest we've ever had on this show. Oh, I feel so honored. Yes. yes. <laughs> It does mean we like you. That's right. Yes, that was exciting. So for those of you who remember, Dina was my classmate. We both went to the University of Bridgeport together, got our master's in human nutrition together. Uh, Dina Dina is just a brilliant, brilliant. She was a brilliant student. She's a brilliant Mm -hmm. nutritionist all around. And you're also a registered dietitian as well, right? I saw that from your email. So all around, just a brilliant nutritional specialist. Yes. So we're excited to have you on Dina and Dina's focus and specialty tends to be in time restricted eating or fasting and how to do that in healthy, um, simple ways, which I love. So we had a whole episode with Dina kind of revolutionizing. It was good. Intermittent fasting, time restricted eating. Go back and listen to it. Exactly. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and make sure you listen to it. It's one of our favorite episodes, which Mm -hmm. is why Dina is back here today. And today Dina is going to talk to us about eating a better breakfast. Yes. Dare I say the best breakfast. The best. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And this is a topic that I'm super passionate about because it's just one of those things that if you can nail your breakfast, everything else gets better as a result of that. And I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll dive into why that is, but it's just such a simple tool and it really sets the stage for the rest of the day. So it's like, if you can only nail one meal a day, make it this one. Yes. I love it. Start your day. Right. I love it. Tell us Dina, just since we're right here, why is breakfast important? Yeah. And there are actually a lot of reasons that breakfast is really important, but One of them is that breakfast is when you're, or I guess the morning time is the best time to be eating. So your digestion works better in the morning. Your blood sugar is more stable in the morning. You're the most insulin sensitive in the morning. So like if there's any time of day to eat food, it's in the first half of the day when the sunlight's really bright, We have our hormones are just like working for us. Our digestion is working at its best. And so it's like the best time to be putting fuel in the tank. And of course, what type of fuel we put in the tank matters. But breakfast is just like biologically, it's a great time for us to be eating. And it really sets us off on the right foot for the whole day. So that's one reason. Another is that breakfast... um, Breakfast eaters have the best appetite regulation and the lowest level of hunger hormones. So you just have a much more regulated appetite. You're not as ravenous. You're not as 
prone to cravings or like late night snacking or that kind of thing when you eat the right kind of breakfast. So like I said, it can just like have this positive domino effect on the whole rest of the day. That's amazing. I will share my own personal testimonial, which is I was practicing intermittent fasting before we had that episode with Dina. Yes. And, and I was not skipping breakfast per se, because I was more intentional than that, but I wasn't eating until maybe like 11 o'clock in the morning. So usually about five hours after I had gotten up. Um, and Kay was eating breakfast before that episode. And she was like, oh no, we're going to talk about intermittent fasting and I'm going to find out why I'm doing it all wrong because <laughs> yep. I eat breakfast. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but after that episode, Dina convinced me to yep. eat breakfast. And we'll talk about that in a minute when the best time to eat breakfast is to eat breakfast. And I felt like I started sleeping better. Yes. I felt much better. My energy was better. Yes. And, and not that my goal was to lose weight. But it did help with that process too, where I'd felt like my weight was kind of stuck and I just wanted it to budge a little bit. Yep. And then changing my eating window totally shifted that in my favor. Yes. <laughs> and now that I'm pregnant, it's like- powerful. Yeah. Yes. Really. It revolutionized our yes. mornings. Like it's wild. Now that I'm pregnant, like eating a hearty breakfast and doing my best to keep the principles in mind that Dina talked about then that we're going to talk about today- I feel so much better doing that in the mornings that I've like the occasional morning I've had to skip breakfast because I have like an early appointment or I'm fasting for blood work or something like that. I feel so trashed the rest of the day. Like now I feel so spoiled because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, when I skip breakfast. I'm like, oh, I just feel bad. Like I just don't have the same energy. Yeah. I'm hungry for more like snacky type foods. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah that so experience, like that bears out in the scientific research. So we know that breakfast skippers have higher cortisol levels in the morning and throughout the rest of the day. So you're going to have, and cortisol is a stress hormone. Like we love cortisol. It gets us up in the morning. It gets us going. It's meant to be high in the morning, but it's also, you know, in excessive amounts promotes weight gain, especially around the middle and just makes us feel really frazzled and like, you know, wired and tired kind of a feeling and breakfast skippers have higher cortisol levels all day long. So you're just like making your body feel stressed, even though, you know, you may not have more stress going on in your life. Physiologically, you're going to have a stronger stress response and higher stress hormones throughout the day when you skip breakfast. So that can really impact your energy. And then like you mentioned about cravings, People who skip breakfast tend to have more cravings and they tend to be carb cravings. So it's the breads, the sugars, the pretzels, the chips, the cookies, you know, all our favorite things. (laughs) Yep. Yep. This is awesome permission for me because I always eat breakfast because I'm starving in the morning and I need it. But I always felt guilty, like Eleni said, because like all the cool kids are in the 5 a.m. club and they don't eat breakfast until later. And I always thought, Okay, well, I'm lazy and because I sleep till 630 and then I don't, you know, I eat breakfast right away. So now I'm indulgent. And now it's like, no, you brought to us the biological clock and the rhythm of the day. And I'm actually doing it well and right for my body. So thank you for letting me, giving me permission to be me. (laughs) You are so welcome. (laughs) So tell us, Dina, when, when is the best time of day or like the best time for breakfast Oh yeah, what's according that to window? our circadian rhythm? Like what's the best way to optimize that and why? And that 
is, is such a great question. It, there is some variability and flexibility. So when it comes to optimizing for stress hormones, then we see that eating within about two hours of waking up is, um, if you go beyond that, that's when the stress hormones tend to kind of continue to rise. Mm. So that is a really good number to go off of. So you don't have to like jump out of bed and eat breakfast. A lot of people don't feel really hungry right away. And that's normal. And it's also normal to wake up hungry, you know, and want to eat right away. Both of those are options. Um, so there's, there is a lot of flexibility and I know like for me, I like to exercise in the morning and I'm not about to do that on a full stomach. Right. So, you know, it's nice to be able to go for my morning walk and then have breakfast. Um, so that two to three hours, I would say two hours for most people. And then if somebody's like really experienced with fasting, they have great metabolic health, really good blood sugar stability, then you could possibly extend it a little longer, but really, um, we want it to be, um, within kind of that two hour window is kind of more optimal for just sending your body that signal of safety. And also, um, revving up your metabolism for the day, which gets your energy going and also helps with weight loss. So awesome. That's awesome. I will speak also to the blood yeah. sugar control. I can't remember. Yeah. Had we done the keto episodes before we interviewed Dina or after? Oh, I don't remember. I think after. I think after it might've been, it was close within that time yeah. frame. Yeah. Um, whenever we did do the keto episodes, I was checking my blood sugar daily all the time and it wasn't great. And I had to work really hard to keep it balanced. And I will say just did, instead of doing like the typical pregnancy glucose tolerance test in the third <laughs> trimester where you have to drink a sugary drink, um, my midwife team let me just check my blood sugar after like three times a day after every meal for three days, which was my choice, even though it was more tedious because I was like, well, if I have to change something about my diet, like I'd rather know what my body is doing in response to food I eat, as opposed to what it would Kool-Aid. do if I drank a sugary drink, yep. which I have not done for like 15 years. Yeah. So I was like, I don't really need to know what my body does after I do that. I want to know what my body does after I eat food. Anyway, my blood sugars were like fantastic, fantastic, yes. like better than they've ever been. Yes. And I think it's because since becoming pregnant, I've been much more diligent about eating breakfast every day because it was otherwise I wasn't getting enough protein. And so I was really like, I have to eat breakfast. I have to eat it early enough in the day that I'm not too full for other meals. Cause that was a real thing. If I eat breakfast too late, I was too full for lunch. So I was like usually skipping one meal a day. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, and it was, my blood sugar was the best it's ever been. So I was like, I think yes. it's cause I'm eating breakfast and I eat so much protein for breakfast. Is, yeah. So. Speaking of the protein remind us, cause you did say this on the last podcast, but what is the type of foods that you would recommend for breakfast to have our uh, specifically our um, blood glucose levels feeling good. Yeah. yeah. So almost none of your typical breakfast foods okay. <laughs> in, in America. <laughs> not, not cereal, not pancakes, not waffles, not, you know, even a lot of the um, fruit-based smoothies that people make, right? So and the reason for this is you have the most 
uh, insulin, you're the most insulin sensitive in the morning. So you're actually really sensitive and very responsive to carbohydrates. So if you're going to have carbohydrates at breakfast, you want to make sure they're whole food sources. So fruits, vegetables, you know, beans, and then if it's whole grain based, like an oatmeal or something like that, that's an okay option, but you've got to have the protein with it. And you've got to have more fiber in that meal. So the best breakfast is going to be protein and fiber focused. That's really where it's at. Protein is really going to help. Well, both of those are actually really going to help with blood sugar stability um, and making sure that you don't have like a spike in your blood sugar, that it just is like a nice rolling hill. Um, and you, and that energy sustains you for a long time. So protein is really satiating and it helps with blood sugar stability and fiber helps slow down the digestion of a meal so that your breakfast keeps you full for three, four, maybe even five hours. If you've got enough protein and fiber at breakfast, it should carry you to lunch. No problem. Like if we're needing snacks in between, that's just a sign that your meal wasn't adequate, you know, it wasn't, didn't have enough protein, didn't have enough fiber. If 10 o'clock you're like, I need another cup of coffee or I need a snack or something like that. So mm -hmm. protein and fiber, which is not our typical breakfast foods. So one thing that I think is really helpful is to just banish the whole idea that there are foods that you're supposed to eat for breakfast. Mm -hmm. I routinely will have a salad for breakfast or a bowl of soup for breakfast or leftover dinners for breakfast. Like it's just, it's just the first meal of the day and it can be any food, you know? And so when we kind of let go of this idea that it has to fit in this like box of this is what's okay for breakfast, then it opens up a lot more options and we can have meat and we can have fish and we can have eggs, which are fantastic sources of protein. And we can have, you know, nuts and seeds and things like that. It doesn't always have to be your typical breakfast foods. And at least in America, typical breakfast foods are, you know, desserts. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> seriously. Well, those ideas sound amazing. I do with, um, okay, what's your opinion on this? My kiddos, we used to have cereal for the kids, right? Most days. And then since having this podcast and like, Dina, you would be an influence on this. I changed my kids to, we're doing more oatmeal. We're doing more like um, protein with it and a lot of eggs when we can but I'm still kind of a hard in the morning, kind of a, you know, mornings are hard. You know what I'm saying? But I've started doing more French toast because each piece of bread has two eggs on it and the bread. Is that okay? I mean, I could do a little better, throw some bacon. Dina, am I in trouble for this or is that okay? <laughs> You're not in trouble. I think when it comes to something like French toast, it's all about the quality of the ingredients, right? I mean, you could buy Wonder Bread and make French toast, or you could buy like a whole grain sourdough bread and make French toast. And those are going to have a very different effect on your kid's blood sugar and um, just on how you feel. So really, when we're talking about focusing on protein and fiber, fiber is going to come from whole grains. And so if you're choosing a, a whole grain, like a sprouted wheat bread or a sourdough bread, or if you can't have wheat, then like a gluten-free, but one that's whole grain, that's not made out of like tapioca starch, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a way to do it where you just focus yeah. on quality. And I would aim for, you know, a piece of bread that has at least like three grams 
three or four grams of fiber in it. Three to five is probably typical for like a high fiber bread. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the eggs and the milk. Um, if you're using dairy milk, it's going to be high protein. If you're using a plant milk, then they're usually not. But there are um, some plant milks out there, like Ripple has one, and um, there's like flax milk. There's some that are like a little bit higher in protein. And I have a um, better breakfast guidebook, and it has a ton of resources in it for people. So, but you can, you can kind of like upgrade it, right? You can upgrade yeah, that. Yeah. Toast. So if you're using a whole grain bread and a quality milk, um, then you're actually going to have a decent amount of protein in there. You're probably getting, you know, five grams from the slice of bread and another eight from a glass of milk, you know, so it's actually pretty good. And then it's toppings, right? What toppings are we putting on it? If yeah. we're choosing high fiber berries or fruits um, that are high in fiber and not as high in sugar, that's going to be much more blood sugar friendly. Um, you put peanut butter or almond butter on there, that's going to add protein and fiber. So there's actually a lot of ways to make some of your favorite breakfast foods really more blood sugar friendly and more ideal. And in my breakfast um, workshop and guidebook that I've got, I have a pancake recipe that uses cottage cheese and oats and eggs. And so it's like high in protein, high in fiber, you know, and, and like the French toast example. So there's ways to do it that can really make it work. And then you could still have your favorite foods. I love that. that and now amazing. I am going to try to like upgrade. We do have gluten-free and then I do do like pasture-raised eggs. We do almond milk. So I made some of those adjustments, but to add like the fruit and the peanut butter on it, that sounds amazing. I'm going to yeah. do that. We sounds do that. And yogurt. Yeah. Yummy. Yogurt. I'm like, my husband yogurt. likes to make waffles on the, on the weekend. That's kind of our Oh yeah, you he just made it with was it like coconut flour or um, it's a blend. Flour? It's a gluten free oh, flour okay. blend. So it has flax meal in it and brown rice flour and it looked amazing. something else. I can't I can't remember. It's yeah. like one of the better blends I could find. Otherwise, I just like using almond flour, coconut flour. Yeah. Um, but we do that and then we put almond butter on it. Um, I do a little bit of honey since we did our honey episode yep. or our sweetener episode where we talked all about honey being one of the better sweeteners. Yeah. Um, I do blueberries. We usually, sometimes I'll do like sprinkles of coconut. Sometimes I'll do sprinkles of flaxseed meal. Yeah. It's As pretty like a good. treat. Like, yeah. And so that's yummy. our weekend breakfast, right? Yeah. So I think like yeah. Dina's saying, there's ways to make your favorite breakfast foods like upgraded and even better. But even then, it's still a good idea to kind of reserve those things, I think, for weekends. Yeah, but the special. But tell us, Dina, like, so what is the right amount of protein? What is the right amount of fiber to have for a breakfast? And then what might that look like? So however much fiber, like, how does that translate into fruits and vegetables? How much should people be eating? And, and, and then proteins, you, too. And what do you think about having fat with it as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great I Great questions. So when it comes to protein, everybody's needs are going to be a little bit different, but I think a really good number to aim for is 30 grams of protein. And it might be a little bit higher if you're male or if you're super active or you just have like have a really tall or larger body, then you might have a higher protein need. And then if you're, you know, really petite and small, then maybe a little bit less, but this 30 grams of protein is kind of a really good baseline and threshold, and especially important at breakfast 
to get your protein. Um, I think we can get away. It's always important to prioritize protein at any meal, but it's like breakfast is probably the most important one to get protein in. And that's because it will really rev up your metabolism and stimulate muscle protein synthesis, which we want. We want our body to be in uh, a state where it's building muscle because that revs up our metabolism. We're burning more calories. We have more energy. We feel more alert and awake and alive and just like invigorated when, and that 30 gram threshold is kind of like what triggers it and turns it on. So if we get only 20, like that's better than five. Absolutely. But getting to that 30 gram mark is really helpful for feeling the most stable for maximizing blood sugar stability and for triggering that muscle protein synthesis where your body's in an active building mode, which turns up the calorie burning and the metabolism and you just feel more energized. So that's what I'd say about protein. Now with fiber, um, I try to get my clients to aim for at least 10 grams of fiber at breakfast, which might sound like a lot because the average in America, I think is 11 grams for the whole entire day. Believe that. Asking people to get all, you know, as much fiber as they might be typically eating in a whole day, like get that at breakfast Mm -hmm. and get that at every meal, right? 30 grams of fiber a day is you know, probably a pretty good benchmark for, for most people to aim for. So getting that at breakfast is really important. And that amount of fiber is going to help with uh, making the meal last, right. Keeping you full for a long time, contributing to satiety. And then it allows the blood, the sugar from the meal, um, which comes from, you know, the carbohydrates that we eat. It's not that you're eating sugar, but just the carbohydrates in oats or, in the bread that you're eating or whatever, the vegetables, the fruits that you're eating, it allows that energy to trickle out really slowly so that we have like a really steady and long lasting energy from that meal rather than like a surge and a crash, Mm -hmm. which is what so many of us experience, especially our poor kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what does, what does like 10, 11 grams of fiber, how does that translate into like fruits and veggies? What does that typically look like? And same for the protein. Yeah. So if you select for some higher fiber fruits, then we'd be going for things like berries, um, pomegranate, kiwis, anything that has like edible seeds in it is going to be high in fiber. Anything that has a skin that you can eat, an apple, a pear, right? Um, those are tend to be higher fiber foods. And you're probably with berries, I think like raspberries have like eight grams of fiber um, in a cup or maybe a three quarters of a cup or something like that. So like a handful, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, what I would eat, I need a cup of raspberries. Oh yeah, I could easily do that. (laughs) Or easily there with something like blackberries or raspberries or strawberries, you can get there pretty quickly. Other really great sources of fiber are going to be your seeds. So chia seeds, flax seeds, uh, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, they're fantastic sources of fiber and good sources of protein. So you're getting both at the same time with those hemp seeds are another one really great. And they're so easy to sprinkle on, you know, a yogurt parfait, or even like sprinkle on your pancakes or add to a bowl of cereal. If you're like, well, we're doing cereal, but we're going to try it. 
this out, right? <laughs> this yeah. <situation>. Yeah. <laughs> they're really soft. They're really easy to mix into things. Um, mm -hmm. So seeds are fantastic to have. And I think one thing that's really easy to do is to grind up flax seeds and chia seeds and even hemp seeds. Like you can get those three, grind them up in your blender, or if you have like a coffee grinder, and put it in a jar in the fridge or the freezer. Once they're ground up, they need to be in the fridge or the freezer, but then you can just add a tablespoon of that to your pancake batter. You can add it to the yogurt parfait that you made or whatever you're eating. And you're gonna get you know probably eight, nine grams of fiber from just that tablespoon. Wow. That's yeah, so there's some simple ways to do it and the seeds are fantastic. And then to Kay's question about what about fat? We mm. want healthy fat at our meal. And that's really important for blood sugar stability. The reason I don't focus on it is just because if you get protein and fiber and you get them from whole foods, the fat comes along for the ride. Mm. So high fiber foods, nuts, seeds, not fruits and vegetables, but your nuts and seeds are high in fat. And then all of your whole food protein sources, meat, fish, eggs, um, you know, have fat with them. So it's kind of like, it just comes along for the ride. And when we choose whole foods, the, the ratios are kind of already perfectly there for us. We don't have to think about it. And then choosing whole, um, I think full fat, if you're eating dairy products, choosing full fat dairy products, like a, a whole milk yogurt or a whole milk cottage cheese or ricotta, whatever you're using, um, at your breakfast is a great way to get the protein and the fat in the right ratios that mother nature put them together in. Yeah. That sounds amazing. That's awesome. You have such a good, healthy outlook on like eating and feeling good and like your energy. I'm like inspired to go eat my right ratios for breakfast. You're doing great. <laughs> yeah. And mother nature kind of made them for us. It's, yeah. you know, we get in our heads about low fat or low carb and cutting this out and cutting that out. But like when you just build your meal with whole foods, it kind of comes the way it should. And it, and it, satisfies us and keeps us full, you know, like all the right things are there. So, um, and I get this question a lot from my clients, so I'm passing it on to you, Dina. Um, what about for people who never seem to have time to like make breakfast, right? I get this a lot, like, well, I don't have time to make breakfast. Um, what, what would you say about that? What are some strategies for, still ha having a healthy breakfast when your schedule is limited. And I get it because people have kids, they're focusing on getting their kids out the door to school. Mm -hmm. Maybe they want to work out in the morning and then they need to get their kids packed up and they need to get their own stuff packed up. So I totally get it. Yeah. Um, what do people with busy schedules, how can they manage a better breakfast? And what are some like good quick breakfast options mm -hmm. that have those right ratios of protein and fiber in them? Yeah, that's a great question. So one is that I think, you know, we make time for the things that are important. And I think breakfast is important. And it's not that you have to cook, spend more time cooking, but like, I would take more time preparing breakfast than dinner, maybe because it's like the meal that's going to set you and your kids up for the best um, feeling the best that day and making the best food choices naturally, because you're just coming from a place of my, you know, appetites regulated, my blood sugars regulated, my energy feels really good. And we make the best food choices from that place. Right. I love that paradigm shift. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
huge shift. So I think just um, actually prioritizing breakfast. I think people, there can be a little bit of a mind shift that could be helpful. Just like this is a really important meal and we're going to take the time to cook it. If that's not an option for you, which I get that it's not for a lot of people, then preparing it the night before can be helpful. And also there are some really quick and easy options out there as far as like, how long does it take to scramble an egg? Like two minutes, you know, <laughs> that is not right. a tough and like to put sprouted wheat bread in the toaster and like scramble an egg and then um, add greens to it. Right. And, and then, so this is a really common breakfast for our family. Pretty much every morning, my daughter has like sprouted wheat bread, some scrambled eggs. She loves kimchi and sauerkraut and fermented foods are so great for, wow for blood sugar stability and for flavor. So, um, anyway, we just scramble the eggs, add a little bit of, um, spinach in there and serve it with the sauerkraut and the where she likes kimchi better, but <laughs> sauerkraut's usually easier for most people. Yeah. And that's like, you know, you've got protein, you've got vegetables, you've got fermented foods, and it takes all of maybe three minutes to make a breakfast like that. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be super time consuming, but there are things like overnight oats that, um, as long as they're made with the, they've got the protein and the fiber. And we do that by, you know, using yogurt as the base or using a high um, protein plant milk as the base in the overnight oats and then adding the seeds and the berries on top, which just adds a lot of flavor and texture. It makes it tastier, but it also makes it uh, a better breakfast. And those are things that you can do ahead of time. And then there's a lot of just, um, you know, grab and go type of options. It's really easy to add nuts and seeds to like a yogurt parfait, and whether that's dairy yogurt or a plant-based yogurt, if you can't have dairy, um, you know, like having yogurt and throwing berries and nuts and seeds on top also takes 45 seconds, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. So there's, it doesn't always have to be um, really time consuming. And then I did a TV segment and I shared a cottage cheese breakfast bowl. Um, which sounds a little strange, <laughs> but it's like, you know, cottage cheese, half cottage cheese and half Greek yogurt. Mm -hmm. And then you're adding flax and chia and mixing it together. And then you add like um, pears and walnuts and cinnamon and honey. And that's, it's like got 30 grams of protein and 10 grams of fiber. And it takes two minutes. I made it on TV in two minutes, you know, so wow. you can do it. Yes. Yeah, yes. that sounds amazing. This is a really cool, like you said, like this, like mind shift. Um, because everyone I know on Sunday, that's meal prep day. And like you said, though, it's all meal prep day for dinners. And this mm -hmm. is a huge shift for me to be like, wow, what if I were to do a meal prep for my breakfast? I gotta let this sit in my brain a little bit. Um because yeah. even if we did like the egg, the egg, egg muffins in a pan, or if I had right avocado ready to put on some egg tacos and well, I'm leaning heavy into eggs here, but yeah, <laughs> I was going to say that is yeah. Christopher and I just have done that for, for a while now. Um, probably a couple of months where every weekend I make like 16 
hard boiled eggs. Yes. Hard boiled eggs. Yes. And then I make a big batch of chia seed pudding that we can both eat throughout the week. So it's literally just full fat coconut milk and chia seeds. Oh, coconut milk in it. Yeah. Smart. And that's kind of it. And then yeah. we can add, like, I'll add a, like a tablespoon. So for a full Tupperware of it, I'll add like a tablespoon of maple syrup, but full fat coconut milk is actually pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can top it with blueberries or bananas or whatever we want, like any kind of cherries or berries in the morning and we'll yeah. sprinkle cinnamon on it. Um, yeah. And that, that has helped us a lot because those are still like, then you can Quick. eat two or three hard boiled eggs yeah. and you just pull them out of your refrigerator and peel yeah. them. Or if you need to, you can always on the weekend for prep, like pre-peel them. And then you have them ready to go in Tupperware's if you just need to like grab and go to work. Yeah. And Dina, I like that seed blend you mentioned because I'm thinking of people who are at work all day. Every work building I've ever worked in has some sort of employee lounge where they have a refrigerator. So it seems like you could keep a jar of that seed blend at work in your work refrigerator, and then you can just add it to like whatever you bring. So you could bring a bowl of chia seed pudding or maybe of like an overnight oats or maybe yogurt or something, just pack something really quick in the morning and then get to work and sprinkle some of your yep. nut and seed toppings on it. And then one of the other things we did that I haven't done as much recently, um, but that really helped us was making like a breakfast hash. So at the end, Ooh, like Sunday, I would shred up sweet potatoes, beets, stems from broccoli, because those are really good shredded and yeah. you don't use them otherwise. Like yeah. most people don't like noshing. I like yeah. the stems of broccoli. Mm. Most people don't like noshing on them, but they're like right. one of the highest like vitamin C parts of the broccoli. So mm. I would shred those up. I'd shred up an onion. Um, I think that was basically... Just put it in like a nine by 13 pan? No, I well, I would just shred them all, keep them in the fridge. And then when I made eggs in the morning, I oh, just toss them in the in. skillet. Oh, I love that. So I would just cook them up in butter or yeah. avocado oil or something like that and then add salt and pepper. And then it's like a breakfast hash and then you just have your eggs. And then that's kind of an easy way to get. I'm getting hungry and this all sounds amazing. <laughs> fast. Like they're pre-prepped and they're shredded. So they cook fast in a pan. Smart. smart. Those were some of mine. Oh, yeah. So I think there are ways to either prepare ahead of time, right? Where you're preparing a breakfast hash, a frittata, you're making breakfast burritos and you're freezing them. You're making egg muffins. You know, there's lots of things that you can do ahead of time, but then there's also um, some things that are quick and grabbing and go and everybody's just got to find what works for them. It's really just about making it a priority and then making it happen. Yeah. yeah, I like that mind shift because I do think, at least in America, we're very focused on breakfast being fast. Yeah, like I don't necessarily Sugary. know where where that or originated, like why we have that need. But it's like every person I've talked to in our mind, breakfast should be like a five minute thing or less. Well, you're right. This is another mind shift. Uh huh. Slow down. Enjoy breakfast. Yeah. So like yeah. saying like. It could take you longer than it takes to make dinner because it's a more important meal is such a, I think, mind shift for our listeners. Yeah. For me too. Yeah. And if it's an option for you, I mean, if it's not, if your mornings are crazy and you have 500 things to do and kids to get out the door, then maybe that's, you know, not an option except for on the weekends or something like that. But Another um, really easy breakfast idea, if you have a good quality bread, that's um, because of like a sprouted wheat bread or a sourdough bread, or even a gluten-free one that's whole grain is going to have 
about four or five grams of protein and three or four grams of fiber. So you have two slices of that and you put um, almond butter or peanut butter on it. And then you put your berries. It looks really fun. Kids love doing it because you can like decorate it. You know, you can like make a smiley face with the blueberries and, and bananas and then sprinkle on hemp seeds. That's another one with two slices and a glass of milk. You've got 30 grams of protein and 10 grams of fiber. So awesome. that's an awesome, also another like under two minute breakfast. That's super filling and nourishing and, and tasty. And not to mention something, it sounds like a lot of kids could make for themselves to take some of that burden off of parents who are trying to get ready Mm -hmm. for work in the morning. Yes. I like that idea of like optimizing breakfasts and helping kids learn how Mm -hmm. to help themselves early on where they, they can make their own breakfast. Like that's one thing a kid could do in the morning. If you have the kind of kid that gets up and isn't being dragged out of bed (laughs) by their hair at like five minutes before the bus leaves. But (laughs) what I just had a thought. Um, for breakfast time, do you have any thoughts on tea or coffee in the morning? Do you kind of play with either of those? Does it matter? What do you think? That is such a great question. So when it comes to any kind of caffeinated beverage, I really like to recommend that people have that with their meal rather than on its own. And that's because caffeine can do that same thing. It can raise our stress hormones, just like skipping breakfast can when we have it on an empty stomach. So if you were going to have a cup of coffee or like green tea, black tea, some kind of caffeinated beverage in the morning, I would just recommend that people have it with their breakfast or like, you know, around the time that they're eating breakfast, not like an hour before they're having breakfast. And I know that that's a really tough habit for a lot of people. They'll have their coffee and then they'll go exercise and then they'll shower and then they'll whatever. And if that works for you, then go for it. If you're feeling wired and tired, if you're dragging throughout the day, then maybe try this switch and it could help you just, you know, feel better throughout the day. Um, And then what was the other part of your question? Um, Just coffee and tea, just kind of all the thoughts you had about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I do have a really good tip though. So one thing that you can do to boost the protein content, and I do this most mornings, is to add either collagen peptides or gelatin to your coffee and tea. Mm -hmm. So they're both pretty tasteless. Um, They don't affect the flavor very much. And with collagen, it will dissolve in hot or cold. So if you have collagen peptides, you're going to get about 14 grams of protein from a scoop of that maybe 10. It kind of depends on the brand and the scoop size, but still like very easy to digest. Um, you just sip it. It's already in your drink. And then with gelatin, um, it only dissolves in hot, but you have to dissolve in cold first. So you take a tablespoon of gelatin and put it in your mug, add two tablespoons of just cold water, like out of the tap and mix it together. And then you put your tea bag in or your coffee, whatever your hot beverage is, you pour that over and it immediately dissolves. And you've got 11 to 14 grams of protein right there. So does, that's as your beverage cools, does it turn into like jello? Absolutely. Yes, <laughs> it was like I can picture it gelling up. <laughs> I mean, it would if you left it out at room temperature for like two hours or oh, if you okay. So if somebody's a slow coffee drinker, they're not going to like end up drinking yeah. jello <laughs> at the end. No, no. I mean, unless you like your coffee, you let it get cold, which who wants to drink that anyway, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. As long as it's still semi-warm, it will be absolutely liquid. And it's a really easy way to get more protein in. 
um, and just have like a guaranteed, I've got, you know, at least 10 grams of protein here. And then you don't have to worry so much about your breakfast. It's such an easy hack. That's so great. I speaking of my meal prep this week, I meal prepped, um, beef gelatin jello. So I just did like ginger juice and lemon and a little honey and made that gelatin jello. And so my boy in the morning, I'll give him these little jello shots. He has and we like love it. <laughs> little morning. Yeah. But, and it's delicious by the way. And yeah. And anti-inflammatory with the, mm-hmm. the and so. vitamin C yeah. with the lemon. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. My husband. And it's such a great way to go. If you have, um, if you're having trouble eating in the morning or you don't have much of an appetite, it's just, you know, it'll help a little bit. I, my yeah. husband likes coffee first and he usually is slow to get breakfast. So our, our compromise has for like over a year or two, he's always put collagen, two scoops of collagen. I think it ends up with the two scoops being about 18 grams wow. of protein. So he'll do that in his coffee. And that's kind of our like compromise on it with like full fat milk. So he gets some of the fat too. Mm-hmm. So I love that hack. And I think a lot of people might not be aware of how easy that is. And you really with the collagen in the coffee, even with two big scoops, like when you look at his coffee cup, it looks like so like much powder yeah. <laughs> in the bottom before he adds the coffee, but it all dissolves and I, you can't detect any of it. So I think that's such a good hack for people. If you're going to have the coffee, to have the protein with it, and then to take some of the burden off of that meal too. So you're not so stressed out. Not that you should be stressed out, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're not like yeah. counting every gram of protein. Like, how am I going to do this? Exactly. You don't have to eat six eggs. You right. Know? Exactly. Yeah. You have two eggs and a cup of coffee. Yeah. For individuals who like to practice time-restricted eating or what we often call intermittent fasting, how can having breakfast fit into that time schedule? Yeah. Well, I think first it's important to remember that breakfast is really just the first meal of day. So whenever you eat it, that's breakfast, right? Um, But also that, you know, delaying breakfast, skipping breakfast does lead to higher hunger hormones in the evening. It makes us um, more snacky, right? We have higher cravings. It can, and then eating late at night can impact our sleep. It can impact our digestion, right? There's just a lot of things that happen as a domino of that. So I think having breakfast earlier in the day is a really good way to go. And for those that are practicing time-restricted eating, you can still achieve that. You're just cutting your eating in the evening, which is a lot better for your health anyway. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to get a a 12-hour fast, you know, then you stop eating at seven o'clock and then you start eating at seven in the morning, but that's even pretty early. Like if you wanted to extend that to 14, then you eat breakfast at 9am and that's still, you're getting a little bit longer fast, but it's still within that two hour window. That's kind of optimal. So I think there's a lot of ways to do it. And then for people that are fasting for 16 or 18 hours, then you need to listen to the other episode because (laughs) yes, not really um, a great idea, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, especially yeah, I think people can just shift their clock and adjust when they're when they're starting and stopping their fast. Because when you stop it three hours before bed, that's going to be the best for your sleep, for digestion, for circadian rhythm, for feeling the most alert during the day, for falling asleep easily at night. So it's just a better way to go anyway. And breakfast really helps set the stage for that. If you're having a hard time, um, 
feeling hungry for breakfast in the morning, you can set yourself like an eating curfew. Like I'm not going to eat anything after six o'clock tonight. And within a day or two, you will wake up hungry. It's really just about that. Our, our clocks, our body clocks are just so shifted that we're like, Oh, I'm not hungry in the morning, but it's probably because you just ate really late at night Mm -hmm. or you ate your biggest meal at seven or eight at night. And it's still digesting when you woke up at eight in the morning, you know, you don't get that fasting benefit. You don't get the digestive rest. So it's just like, when you eat that big breakfast, it shifts all of your hunger, your whole appetite for the day so that you get less and less and less hungry as the day goes on, which makes it easier to make better food choices. Because I don't know about you guys, but if I'm going to have like cookies and ice cream, it's probably at night, right? I don't <laughs> <laughs> right. Almost never. Yes. So by eating a really healthy breakfast and just naturally being less hungry in the evening, you just naturally make better food choices without having to try or make rules for yourself or, you know what I mean? It's just like such a great way to set yourself up for success and it makes everything else easier. Absolutely. And Dina is totally right. When I shifted from eating, like following a time restricted pattern where I was eating closer my first meal of the day closer to like 11 or 12 to having that first meal of the day within two hours of waking up, I really did start to become, I just, within a few days, I, cause I had to- told Dina that in our yeah. episode on fasting, I said, but I'm not hungry for breakfast in the morning. Like I literally don't get hungry until noon, but then I shifted. We were probably eating dinner around seven and finishing around eight and I wasn't sleeping that great either. So I shifted everything where now we eat our last meal of the day. Probably around five is my goal, usually, unless we're at a friend's house or having people over. So we usually try to be sit down eating by five, done by six. And then I'm having breakfast again in the morning by like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. That's kind of our goal. And I really am like hungry, hungry, <laughs> which I never yeah. thought I would be, but I really am. You eat a better breakfast, right? Because yeah. 30 grams of protein and 10 grams of fiber is a big meal. Like yeah. that's a meal. That is not a grab a piece of toast and a coffee and run out the door. Like you, you know, you have to actually sit down and eat that much, you know, that's quite a bit of food. It's a real meal, but it's so satisfying. And I bet, you know, you're feel really good throughout the morning and you probably Mm -hmm. don't get happy for lunch. Um, you know, a lot of us, when we, when we have like a skimpy breakfast by 10 o'clock, we're like, Oh my gosh, when is it lunch? And we're dragging. We're just like, you know, we're just like pulling ourselves through, but we don't, that energy isn't really coming from a place of, um, like sustainable energy. It's like, you know, caffeine energy, or it's just like stress energy. We're like, got to make it, <laughs> you know, and it's <laughs> still so much better when you're like, ah, you know, like I've got a really, I've got all this fuel in the tank and I'm ready to go for the day. Yeah. That's awesome. Absolutely. Um, any, well, I think you've kind of, we've already covered this in depth, but if you have any additional breakfast suggestions for people who can't have eggs, cause that's one of the things we run into when somebody's yeah. following like an AIP protocol, or if they do food sensitivity testing and eggs come up as part of it. Um, what are some good high protein options, um, that people might enjoy for breakfast? Brown and I know, non-eggers. I know that it's like, I tell people too, like you could just eat leftovers from dinner, but then yeah. for some people they're like, I can't, I can't go there yet. Eventually, but they're not there yet. What are some good alternative options that are high in protein that don't have eggs? Yeah. 
Yeah. And there's some people that can't eat eggs. Um, yeah. For whatever reason, or just you get tired of them. I think we all get tired of them because we're like, oh, we're trying to eat a healthy breakfast. So we're eating eggs, yep. but we forget that there's actually a lot of other foods. <laughs> that. <laughs> so yeah, I guess my first tip would just be expand your idea of what's okay to eat for breakfast because you can eat anything for breakfast. So leftover soup, I think soups are really great for breakfast. And in a lot of countries like Japan, very like that is your typical breakfast is a bowl of soup. So um, it's just, it's just like a silly mind thing that we put ourselves into these boxes. So leftovers are an option for sure. Um, meat and fish are also great options. Beans and legumes like are great sources of protein and fiber. And I know people, um, you know, might feel weird about that, but you can make like chickpea flour pancakes you can you know you could still make it like an American breakfast food that looks like what you want but um out of better ingredients so that's one and then you know we have typical breakfast foods like bacon or sausage or you know mm -hmm. um things like that and then just making sure that you've got the veggies and for the fiber or that you've got the fruit along with it or the seeds and the seeds are a really great option because they're the fiber and the protein together. So if somebody is following like AIP and they can't have dairy and they can't have eggs, they've, I've got some recipes for like oranges that you can make that are nut and seed based that are going to have the protein and the fiber. And you can add collagen uh, peptides is a really easy one to add to porridges smoothies are a really quick and easy option. You just want to make sure it's got the protein and the fiber so that you're not sending yourself on a blood sugar roller coaster ride. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there are actually a lot of ideas still. And then that like almond butter toast that I mentioned, it would just have to be a bread that was like approved for whatever diet that that person was on. But that's a really great and easy way that's not eggs. And then, uh, you know, if you do like eggs, then like avocado toast with an egg or even avocado toast without an egg, also a great breakfast. So there's, I think there's lots of options and I've got, um, like a little workbook with recipes. Cool. And how do, how do people access your, I think you mentioned a, a breakfast course. How do people access that course and how can they access your workbook? Is that something we can link put links in the show notes for, for people to find those materials or how yeah, do they do Absolutely. That? So I have a better breakfast workshop and it's a, a pre-recorded workshop. So you, when you buy it, you get immediate access to it. And it's um, a, a presentation on like all the, you know, the biggest breakfast mistakes that people make, how to fix them and then how to get protein and fiber. And then it has 30 breakfast recipes um, a lot of them are plant-based because those are the questions I get, like, what if I don't eat meat or what if I don't want eggs or whatever? And, and a lot of them are egg-free. So you're going to find a lot of options. And then I have high protein, um, dairy-free alternatives. You know, if you can't have cheese, if you can't have milk, because those are really easy sources of protein, right? Yogurt, cottage cheese, cheese, milk, great sources of protein, um, and that are really quick and easy, but a lot of people can't have them. So mm -hmm. I have a list of alternatives in that. And it's just on my website, therealfoodnutritionist.com. And it's just at the top, Better Breakfast Workshop. 
Awesome. Okay. We'll link that also. Yes. And you also work with clients as well, right? If any of our listeners want to want to get a hold of you just on your website as well. They can contact you and you work with people over the internet. So yeah. I do. And I'll probably try to get you to fix your breakfast first. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right, right, right. Everything else goes better afterwards. And people are like, it seems so simple. It seems too simple to be that effective, but it is because it affects your hormones. It affects your appetite. It affects your sleep, right? It is because it has that like domino you know, permeating effect on a lot of other things and your food choices, what you're hungry for, you know, it's just such a simple tool, but such a powerful one to nail your breakfast. Mm-hmm. Inspiration. That's a way I know. I was like, I am inspired to do better. Always. And especially <laughs> with my kids too, this is really having me dial in and kind of buttoning up what they eat for breakfast too. And Anyway, yeah, this is inspiring. Is there anything about breakfast, Dina, that we haven't covered that you want to talk about? Hmm. That's a good question. I'm uh, thinking. I don't think so. We kind of covered the gamut. Yeah, we did pretty good. (laughs) A lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, awesome. good. Good. Then we did it right. We did it. Good. <laughs> yes. You asked all the right questions. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you again. And I really just think you are like this pillar of light and like hopefulness and food and eating for us and all of our families. So thank you. Awesome. Yeah. And I love coming at it from, especially with breakfast and with kids, like coming at it from what are we trying to add in rather than don't eat this, don't eat that, don't, you know, it's like, I feel like that's all we ever hear in the nutrition and food space is like, yeah, do this and don't eat that. And that's bad for you and blah, 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 you know? And I think it's just so much more empowering to come from a place of like, what do I need to get in? That's going to help me feel my best. And to know that there are a lot of choices so that everybody can choose what works for them if they need fast and quick meals, if they need dairy-free, egg-free, you know, whatever they need, um, you can build a breakfast out of the foods that work for you, that work for your gut, for your health. And it doesn't have to be about a list of, you know, do's and don'ts. Yes. Absolutely. So smart. smart. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dina. And we're going to we're going to go eat our um, healthy lunch now. Well, we'll yeah. have to have it's a like podcast a now on lunch, but yeah, our second <laughs> breakfast. But thank you for your knowledge. You're so good at this and keep shining your light to the world. And we appreciate Absolutely. it. We appreciate your time, Dina. Thank you so much. And for our listeners, go be renegades. Go be renegades. Thank you for listening to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast. Please keep in mind that this podcast is an educational service that provides general health information. The content on this podcast is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional medical care and diagnosis. You should always talk to your doctor before making a dietary or lifestyle change. Go be renegades! Go be renegades!